0: Alex tomorrow it is Friday. It is. And we, I think both you and I have been playing some dark games this week. I'd, God, have we ever. It's a little on the nose, With I'm playing a game called Dark Souls, but I don't, yeah. I mean more thematically. I yeah. read your review before it went up of the Banner Saga, and mm-hmm. I, was, I was just, you spent a lot of time talking about sort of the the darkness that is just everywhere. It's yeah, video game, and it just really bummed me out by the end, but also I was then very excited to play it.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that that game is, like, brutally depressing or, you know, uh, unbearable in any way. Uh, it's just that, you know, it's it's a game about attrition. It's a game where you, you know, you have to carry people across a vast icy wasteland, and you have to balance supplies with the need to fight. And, I mean, again, it's basically Oregon Trail on just a much, much bigger scale. You know, and, that that
0: comparison made me laugh immediately. Now that it yeah. doesn't seem 100% accurate, but to invoke that... There is that,
1: literally... No, because there is literally a joke in that game. There is a point where you hit that like you literally have to ford a river or caulk your wagons to get across the river. Like they, they are being not at all subtle about the fact that that game is basically Oregon Trail. <laughs>
0: well, what's just nice about that comparison is that so many people have played that game and that instantly communicates like everything about what you're trying to say. Like you could sit there and explain it as well. But Oregon trail is just like an extraordinary shorthand for, I think I just like not only theme, but mechanics
1: is a cultural touchstone. Damn it. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's like, whatever, man, Viking mythology, Norse mythology, that shit ain't fun. You know, that shit ain't about, you know, happy stuff happening all the time. It's about gods being slain and just abject misery. And, you know, shit being set on fire in the icy wasteland you know corpses floating down rivers and shit like it's dark it's messed up and that's i, I liked that about it i liked that it sounded like the whole game reminded me of like an aim and a marth song you know like that that shit is that shit is pretty cool
0: so is the banner saga sort of you know mythologically speaking sort of like you watch game of thrones right yes so is like game of thrones in which like yes there are like elements of you know, mysticism and some God stuff and there's some weird, you know, magical things going on, but it's kind of grounded at least on, on, on a certain level about being, about these sort of human characters. I mean, I know there's another race, but yeah. like it's not like Lord of the Rings, right?
1: No, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's somewhere in between the two. Um, the two main races, I mean, are just humans and then giant humans with horns. You know, it's like there, okay. there's nothing too fantastical about that except that one is really large. Uh, it's when you start getting into, like, the stone demon stuff and the fact that there is kind of, like, a world-ending apocalypse kind of looming up in the north that, you know, it, it definitely, there's there's a little bit of Game of Thrones in there, but the, it that's a little bit more mystical, I think, than even Game of Thrones does. But it's it's a balance, you know? And, and, and the, the actual reality of what you're doing in most battles is you're running up with dudes with swords and axes and shit. There is not, like, you're not casting magic spells or, you know... Uh, it, it, there's there are magi- like there are dudes who can cast magic in that game but there are there's like one of them the rest mm-hmm. of the time the rest of it is just like archers and axe men and spear dudes and all that stuff so and and the people who are magical are largely feared and treated as like a weird aberration in that universe so
0: okay so this is a little bit like game of thrones in that respect like anyone yeah. that can you know is sort of you know involved with magic is kind of looked at with a a weird eye, but also an immense amount of respect for being able to invoke such things.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely falls within that, that, that kind of, that wheelhouse.
0: Um, and are you, are you a strategy guy all the time, or is this sort of, like, me, where like you just kind of, like, dip your toes in every once in a while, and the banner saga just kind of caught you? Yeah, it really depends on
1: the game. Uh, it, I'm not... Inherent, like that's not the first genre I would go to, uh, you know, when looking for something new. And a lot of times, those kinds of games just leave me feeling like they, they're just a lot of those strategy games feel kind of dry to me and they're mm-hmm. not that exciting. But I think the combination of the art and the mythology behind this one, coupled with the fact that the battle system is smart without being overly complicated, was enough to kind of get me hooked into it.
0: Okay. So I feel like for a lot of people, um, you know, XCOM was a game that brought them back into the strategy genre. Yes, that, that's what got me into it, sort of. Period. And then I played Fire Emblem, and I'm looking forward to playing the Banner Saga. Like, so, like through the prism of XCOM, like, how do you feel the Banner Saga is sort of like a stepping stone for someone that enjoyed XCOM and is maybe thinking about trying another one of these?
1: I mean, I would say that Banner Saga is an easier game than than XCOM can be, certainly at its at its most intense. Uh, I think that. I mean, the two games are, are, are very different in a lot of ways, but I, I I think that the Banner Saga is, if you like strategy, I mean, there's, there's no part of the Banner Saga I would not recommend, you know, other than the fact that it kind of ends on a real annoying cliffhanger, there's not much about it I didn't like, so, you know, depending on, I think if you're one of those, like, really crazy strategy heads who likes it really complicated and really hard, like, the hard mode, even of that game, probably would not quite be enough for you. But mm-hmm. other than that, there's nothing about it that I would say would would put anyone off, unless you just really don't like Vikings for some reason.
0: So, because like the, the the you know, so the big strategic difference in how you play the Banner Saga versus you know, I think you, how you think of other strategy games is that there is uh, armor and normal health, right? Like mm-hmm. there's both of those, and you're you know, the general strategy is to hit the armor so that you can do more damage uh, once the armor is away. But obviously that strategy probably changes sometimes depending on what's going on.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that's kind of cool is that your uh, your health is also your strength rating. So what when you upgrade your health, it is all, you're also upgrading the amount of damage you can deal to enemies. So that's kind of like a weird combination I had not seen before.
0: So do you upgrade strength separately at all, or is it pure it's its just own stat? Health?
1: But it just does bo- it does both those things. And then armor is you know on top of that, it's you know like the amount of damage you can take.
0: Hmm. Uh, is there perma death in this game? There are
1: so there are situations where you. There are characters that will die permanently, certainly, um, okay. and there are situations where you can essentially lose the game. But okay. when that happens, you can usually just go back to the last save or the last checkpoint and then jump back in, as opposed to having to start the whole damn game over. As far as I can tell, I only had okay, but- game over like once, and then I just jumped right back in from the last checkpoint. So
0: okay, but it's, but it's not like XCOM where you're like sort of building up soldiers and then losing them in battle, and then I, you know, that that can really decimate you in the late game of XCOM. Uh. No,
1: it's not like that. But it, it you will lose people in your party, especially including people that you have built up. It just sort mm-hmm. of it, it depends less on the combat situations because those in those situations when people die, you just they they're injured, so they they operate at less strength the next time you put them out in the field. Oh, so it's story based. Yeah, but you there will be story situations depending on the choices you make that can lead to certain characters dying or living. So,
0: mm.
1: and that is that is all I'm going to say about that. So.
0: Mm. Man, that art looks freaking amazing.
1: It's real good. It's a real good-looking game. And, you know, I don't mind the fact that it's, like, a lot of the images are pretty static. Like, there, there's, you know, animation in the battles and stuff, but everything else is pretty, like, hey, the eyes moved, and then the hands are moving a little bit. But mostly it's just these, you know, kind of static panning shots, but it all looks so good that it doesn't really matter. Like, it, it, it works perfectly for what that game's trying to do.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is about... January and strategy games. But last year it was Fire Emblem Awakening. This year we've got the banner saga. Yeah. They're, it's good it's stuff. It's nice. Yeah. And I it's gotta... you know, it's it's kicking off it's kicking off this year pretty well. So this week was that or I guess yeah, this week. This week mm-hmm. was actually quite a quite a few things came out. Especially if you start thinking about um, you know, Kickstarter as mm-hmm. as a new you know, funding platform and what does that mean for the quality of games we're getting out of that. People seem pretty happy with The Banner Saga and Broken Age, even though Broken Age got split into two parts. Uh, I've not played it yet, but by all accounts, people like that quite a bit. And uh, it seems like Kickstarter is going to settle down in the way that every other game release uh, method uh, sort of settles down, which is some of the games are really good, some of the games are not so good, (laughs) and some of them never come out.
1: Yeah, you just got to know... You gotta, you gotta research and you gotta be, be you know, dutiful about what, what you're backing. But in, in the situations that I've, I mean, I haven't backed any games personally on, on Kickstarter, just cause I, I sort of prefer to, you know, kind of get things when everyone else gets it just to sort of stay that one step removed from, from those sorts of things. But, you know, from a quality perspective, like I have, I am finding very little about the, the whole Kickstarter movement to find, ter- you know, much fault with these days. You know, when you, when you look at something like Broken Age, which I was downloading before, uh, We started the show today. I'm going to play through this weekend Uh, and stuff like, you know, Banner Saga. Like, there's no reason why those games can't hang with, you know, the shit that, you know, studios are pouring millions of dollars into or the indies or studios are making on their own. Like, it it, it seems like it is proving itself to be a completely viable and and at least semi-reliable platform, you know, for 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 making games happen.
0: There's nothing about those two games uh, that it seems like when you play them if you didn't know that they were funded through uh, crowdfunding, you would get that impression that they were any lesser than, yeah. you know, normal games that come out, which is, that's super awesome. Like, that's really encouraging. And, uh, you know, I, I think it it was, it was you know it was interesting to watch some, some of the weird stuff kind of play out, you know, Double Fine, you know, trying to impose an embargo on uh, Broken Age, uh, yeah. which is sort of how, you know, traditional media coverage is handled. And, it, it, you know, I think Double Fine was trying – trying to have it both ways in a way that just didn't make a whole lot of sense. They were trying yeah. to, um, you know, give game writers access to the game, give them a chance to play it and write about it, not on a time crunch, because they were releasing it at the same time they were giving it to backers. So that's normally, you know, in when an embargo is used correctly, an embargo is there for you to have time to get your thoughts together, for everything to come out at once, which means that, that you know, There's a lot of interest in the game at the same time, which drives traffic like it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be a beneficial thing for everyone in the most ideal scenario that it's used. And, you know, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you're sending out the game to tens of thousands of backers that are not used to embargoes, don't care about your embargo and are going to talk about and stream that game in a way Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, you've you've strung the press up in a, in a, in a way that they can't. Uh, so it was, you know, it was good to see them drop that, but I, you know, I think wrinkles like that are, are kind of, you know, it might be a little bit of inside baseball, but also kind of interesting as this stuff starts to play out.
1: It's just shit people need to figure out. You know, these people are trying different publishing models, different, uh, like you said, you know, in this case, different press embargo models, like trying to find ways to, to, to please, the audience that will get the hand their hands on the game and also keep the press involved to make sure that people go and buy the game, you know, when it actually comes out, I guess on the twenty eighth and you know, I'm glad you actually gave that explanation the way you did, because I felt like I walked into that whole situation halfway through that conversation already happening. Uh yeah. and I had to go back and read a whole bunch and be like, What the fuck is everyone yelling about? Like why why is why are Chris Remo and Justin McElroy going at each other on Twitter? What is happening? Uh Yeah.
0: It, it, I think it was one of those things where Double Fine was trying to protect the interests of itself and, you know, its backers. And it's just one of those that, you know, in a room, I bet it made a lot of sense. And then it's one of those rules that in practice uh, just doesn't really work in the real world. And, right. you know what? Double Fine, listen, it got lifted. Mm-hmm. People wrote the reviews. Everything, everything, everything turned out just fine. Um, and i'm also just thankful we don't really play in that game and have yeah, to worry
1: about it for real like it, 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 i mean whatever it's not like there aren't times when you know we we we're trying to to make embargoes for reviews and stuff but the fact that i think the fact that we don't necessarily assign that level of importance to it uh you know as long as we more about getting through the game when you can more than anything else i'm i'm kind of glad
0: yeah 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 me as well um, have you been playing anything anything else this week
1: Uh, I started playing through Risk of Rain again because I hadn't really played a whole lot of that uh, since I got back. But I've been playing a couple of times over the last week uh, just to kind of practice up in case uh, you ever decide you want to put down Spelunky for a little while and jump back on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I should. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yes. I do want to play that game again. But yes, my time has been very I'm actually going to start, I think, maybe next week. Uh, ratcheting down the uh, Spelunky streams. I still want to. Pl- I'm gonna play every day. I'm gonna do the daily challenge every day. But it's it consumes a lot of time every morning to set that up and then do it. Um, or maybe I'll, I'll just change it to where I'm just streaming the daily challenge alone on some days sure. instead of like an hour of warm up before we do that. Um, but yeah, I want to play more Risk of Rain because I've got these you know Dark Souls Splunky. Risk of range, sure. Just add it to the pile. I'll play. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll play a, another one of those games. That's fine with me. Why the hell um, not? Yeah. So I'm deep in the thick of, of Dark Souls. I've been playing every mm-hmm. single night. I've been playing till like one a.m. I'm I'm pretty tired today because I've spent every night this week staying up till one playing Dark Souls. And the weirdest thing, tang- tangential to Dark Souls, but what I found about staying up late in my first transition back to winter. Mm-hmm. is that it's not that I'm a morning person. I don't mind getting up in the morning. I can function just fine early in the morning. So that that's not really a big thing for me. But getting out of bed mm-hmm. in the winter is really hard. It's yeah. really hard. Like when your thermostat is, you know, uh, you know, ours is set on a timer, and it starts, like, you know, getting warmer, I think, around 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's, like, 58 in your apartment, like, I don't – I hit my alarm way more often than I ever used to in, like, the last month.
1: <laughs> no, it's like, you know, you go full Homer Simpson. You're all wrapped up in a blanket, all, you know, like a warm, toasty cinnamon bun, and you don't want to get out. There is no way you want to get out of that damn bed. I understand that. Yeah. I respect so, that. I
0: don't know. So, I've been staying up late playing Dark Souls. I'm not sure if I have much more to say than, than what I said on mm. Monday, except that uh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm making progress. I... Made it out of this weird painting world, and I'm now through the. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Do you remember that when Justin McElroy made a music video about Dark Souls? He made a song about Dark Souls. I
1: remember that he did it. I don't really remember uh-huh. what happened in it. That's that. It's been a while, so.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, so he made a song about this section of the game called Anor Londo, uh which is famous for being a, a breaking point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple reasons for that. One um, is this: are these giant knights? Uh, that are like three times the size of the player character that just knock you the fuck around mm. and are are just brutal to deal with. Uh, there is a section called the archers, which is mm-hmm. where you're kind of like running up the buttress of this castle, and there are uh, two archers that are uh, shooting... I don't even know if they count as arrows they're mm. basically swords they're shooting swords at you that the game has decided to call arrows okay and if any of those touch you you are immediately knocked off and you have to go up this long you know punch butt- buttress plank like to get up this castle and then you got to fight them and it's it is it is it is bad news it it's is a whole just deal yeah and you know i i managed to make it through this archer section in uh Two tries, which uh, I've... My favorite thing about playing Dark Souls has been I've had either some miraculous luck or maybe I'm just pretty okay at video games with some sections where people... The chat's just like, oh, man, this this fucker's going to get it. Oh, this is this is where he breaks. This is it. He's not going to... This is going to be an hour here. And then I got through it in, in two tries, uh, which I felt pretty good about. Um, and... So I made it through most of that section, and then uh, I'm at at the boss of Honor Londo, which is uh, another famous boss uh, Mm -hmm. or famous section uh, within that game that people get pretty uh, excited for, at least in the sense that they're excited to watch me be upset, because you have two characters. Uh, Normally in in Dark Souls, uh, you want to have... 1v1 uh, one, one, one battles as much as possible and the bosses up until this point have always been 1v1 uh, one one battles and mm. now you have two characters, one who is a big fat guy who's got a huge hammer who's doing a lot of area of effect stuff to screw with you and then you have this really quick guy running around and mm. so I I briefly encountered them last night at around 1230 as I was uh, turning off my stream uh, and realizing that this was going to be probably a whole hour on its own figuring these guys out but mm. Yeah, it's, t- it's testing my soul. It's t- Dark Souls is testing my soul. I and mean, that's uh, kind of
1: what it's meant to do, right? It's sort of a benchmark to see how much you can actually take as a player of video games.
0: It, I mean, it absolutely is, uh, but I will say, you know, one of the ones, uh, one of the bosses I uh, faced earlier this week, one called the Stray Demon, uh, which is in the opening area of Dark Souls. There's a, a, a way to revisit that area later in the game and uh, fight uh, a similar boss, that, uh, one that's similar to to the the first boss that you fight in the game, in the tutorial section, um, and he handed my ass to me for like a good 30 minutes, and it seemed like one of those moments where like, well, I'll just have to come back to this later in the game, but you know, I kept going back to the, bo- the battle, I kept looking at why I was dying, figuring out that, you know what, actually I think there is a way that if I just, don't screw up as much which is much easier than it sounds i think i can actually take this guy out Mm -hmm. and with the 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 time that i managed to do that was so exhilarating it had the adrenaline was as high as i've ever felt in either scariest film or the scariest video game i have ever had like it's just my hands were jittery i had to put the controller down it was it's an unbelievable feeling Uh, When you're at, when you sort of surmount some of these crazy moments in that game uh, where it just seems like there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And that every time you die, you just examine why did I die? How much of that was maybe I'm just not prepared for this? How much of that was I just screwed up something very obvious because I got greedy? And uh, that was a situation where, you know, every time I died, I just tried to examine what I was screwing up. And at the end of it, you know, every time I was getting hit was just because I was like, Oh, I'm gonna get one more hit in instead just like settling for the two that I could reliably get. And I beat it and just yeah. Like I literally cheered for myself and that was that was not for the cameras. I was happy Aww. for myself. Oh. Yeah. I like it, it I like it when you're happy. I like it when you're excited for yourself. I know, me too. Yeah. Um, also, uh, screw this guy Flake eighty three that keeps invading each of my games that I kindle a bonfire. Screw that guy. When you Come across checkpoints in the game. They're called bonfires, and if you kindle them, that allows you to uh, uh, have more health items at once. Normally, you can have five, and if you kindle the bonfires, you can have ten. But when you do that, uh, you become human. and most of the game, you're an undead, uh, and when, so when you're human, I think you, I'm not sure. I think you're more powerful or have more health or something. But anyway, when you do that, uh, you also open yourself to an invasion from another player character. Um, and in my game, there is clearly someone who watches every single stream, and every time that I kindle a bonfire, that guy comes in and screws with me. And the last time he did it, I refused to let him have the satisfaction of killing me, so I just jumped off a cliff.
1: <laughs> That's... That's really I could dark.
0: See, I could see him in the distance. I could see him in the distance, and I just said, No, not this time, flake Flake83. Not this time. It's no big deal because when you jump off, when you die, like the souls that you've collected, which is what you use to, to level yourself up and, and buy items, they just show up in a green blob sure. uh, where you die. So you just go back there and grab it. But damn that guy. But just every single time.
1: Of just committing suicide to get away from a level of torment that is just unstoppable and, you know, unyielding. It's yeah. really dark.
0: It's a really dark thought. Just throwing that out there. I know, well, my wife's gone. I'm playing this game for four-hour stretches fair. every night for the past week. My mind's going to weird places.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and I have oh, to deal with terrible. games
0: Windows Live every night, so that's its own nightmare.
1: That's a fair point, God. Yeah, I keep forgetting that thing still exists.
0: Uh, not for very long, though. I think it shuts yeah. down in July? woo um, Anyway. And most games are getting it stripped out, but something tells me that Dark Souls won't have it stripped out and the community will have to figure that out or something. That's that port of the game is not very good. I'm not surprised. Anyway, um, uh, I didn't play anything. <laughs> I didn't play anything yeah. else this week. That's, That's all I did. It. That's yeah, all I did. I got,
1: a, I got Broken Age uh, sitting here, ready to go for this weekend, and then uh, I might have a copy of Octodad floating around that I might be getting oh. into here at some point, but. I That's about all I've been playing so far.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's transition to news. There uh, is some stuff going on. Uh, we might as well start with the big headline uh, from last night. Normally on Giant Bomb, uh, we do not talk about financials uh, for game companies. Just don't think it's that interesting. It's ends up making uh, I'm not a financial analyst you know so yeah. the idea that I'm gonna sit and proselytize to a company and explain this is what you should do to turn around your business just not that interesting it's why we don't publish NPD numbers like it just if you want to have number battles uh, go do it in the forums go do it in other websites just not interested in having that conversation on, on our site but certainly but 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 what Nintendo did last night uh, in flat uh, slashing its forecasts, uh, I think is you know th- this is this has less to do I mean it has everything to do with numbers, but mm-hmm. it, you know there is a larger conversation to be had about what this means for the company going forward. Um, basically, uh, Nintendo was uh, estimating that by uh, its fiscal year end of march 31st they were going to uh, have uh, ship nine million Wii U units uh, and instead they've slashed that to 2 point8, which is and a big slash yeah and, and they're very pretty- large. And their projections uh, are also interesting. Um, so the 3DS, uh, I, I believe, according to NPD, was the number one selling console uh, in North America uh, uh, last year. So, you know, that sounds good, right? Well, mm-hmm. Nintendo has forecasted that it's going to sell less units this year than it did last year, uh, despite the fact that as a, uh, hardware matures uh, and it gets cheaper, usually you expect that it's going to sell more units. So Nintendo, for whatever reason, is feeling pessimistic about the 3DS or is uh i guess trying to lower expectations because i think everyone knew this 9 million number was crazy and that super mario 3d world was not going to set everything on fire i almost said the world mm-hmm. uh uh everything on fire and fix everything for uh that machine like it was just it's it's not that it's beyond repairing in terms of being a viable enjoyable console but in terms of being a mass market item, Uh, it does appear that that time has passed and that Nintendo doesn't have a single game to solve that, uh, which has kind of been uh, Satoru Iwata's uh, promise all along that it just takes one game for a platform to take off, which might be true, but it also requires that you deliver that game.
1: And, I mean, if we're being completely honest, Mario should have been that game. Like, there's no... as Like, that game is spectacular. There's no reason why that game should not have been the system seller... Uh, if that was all it was going to take to get the Wii U going, and it has not been, you know, it has not even been selling that well compared to you know the number of Wii U, U uh, Wii U units out there, and so I don't think it is about one game at this point. I don't think that they're. I mean, even uh, they could announce you know a, a massive sprawling you know HD Zelda game tomorrow, and I don't necessarily think that would just solve the problem outright.
0: Well, I think they you know. I think 3D World. There's no way it could have solved that problem for Nintendo to be that one game because, um, you know, if you look at the sales of Super Mario Galaxy, which is a closer analogy of sure. or a closer analog for 3D World, uh, than New Super Mario Brothers, which in New Super Mario Brothers is the one that went on to sell tens of millions of copies. Um, it was one of the few games that that people that bought a Wii also bought another piece of software. You know, buying more right. software was always kind of the problem for the Wii. They had easy easy times moving that hardware, but harder times selling software. But, you know, things like Wii Fit, New Super Mario Brothers, those games sold to everyone. Uh, you know, Galaxy sold well. I'm not saying it sold poorly, but yeah. it didn't sell in nearly the numbers or nearly the volume that uh, New Super Mario Brothers did. And I think 3D World was more along the lines of appealing to the hardcore, despite the fact that Nintendo was pushing the multiplayer aspect of it in the way that uh, New Super Mario Brothers had. So I think that game, you know, pushing that out as the savior in that way would is, was disingenuous on Nintendo's part, if they were really thinking that. Um, and, you know, they haven't had a Nintendogs. They haven't had a brain age. They haven't had something that is fundamentally different from anything out there that inspires people to want to pick up their hardware and their hardware alone in order to play that. And uh, yeah. that's, you know, h- how much you put that on them is, is tough because that's basically saying, you know, it's kind of the same... Uh, criticism that's leveled against apple is that how come you don't revolutionize the entire world every three years well right because that that's tough that do- sometimes that doesn't happen sometimes it is about iteration and sometimes that iteration is what leads to uh, those moments but um, you know you can't strike gold every single time it's just that nintendo seems to be on a particular drought that is hurting them from all angles where the 3ds is kind of doing okay relative to where it was, but is being severely constrained by uh, changing habits in the market, uh, the fact that most kids hap, you know, happen to have iPhones and iPads and other sorts of devices, and the Wii U, you know, it had a year to figure itself out, but now the oxygen has been taken out of the room by yeah. you know, other consoles that are selling just fine.
1: But and I was I was looking at I think it was Pactor this morning was saying that like the 3ds you know is still selling well technically but it's about fifty percent down from where the DS was at about the same time in its lifespan so you know it's not it's not necessarily it's 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 not going to be the thing that you know just will forever keep Nintendo afloat as long as they continue on down this Wii U path I mean the the greater point is that. You know, even if Mario uh, 3D World wasn't that savior, I don't think that game exists anymore. I think that fundamentally the conversation about that system has to either be completely reworked, they have to completely reapproach that thing, uh, you know, from a different perspective than what they've been marketing it as thus far, or they're just going to have to fucking throw that thing by the wayside at some point and be like, this is just not going to work. Because as much as I, I don't want them to, because there are parts of the Wii U that I think are actually pretty rad... And, you know, I think that there is an, there is potential for them to do very cool things with that system. I mean, the numbers, the, those, aren't, those numbers are unmistakable. There is nothing, nothing you can take away from those numbers and go, well, you know, maybe. It's like, no, that is almost 70% less than what you thought that system was going to sell. The games are not selling. Like, it is, that, that is, the, those are the worst case scenarios for a console that's been out for a year and a half.
0: Yeah, I mean the kid gloves in the chat points out Mario Kart Wii sold 34 million copies. Sure. Like what? So I mean that's that I mean comparing it to the Wii is tough, right? Like the idea that you're going to ha- you know hit that hot a second time around, yeah. you know, anyone expecting that that's crazy talk. I think even if they called it a Wii 2 mm-hmm. and continued down motion control I, you know, I don't think most of those people would have bought it a second time. You might have convinced some more people, but you know, the, the iron was not going to strike hot a second time around. But no. I mean, that disparity is so astronomical, and I don't expect that there's going to be a huge call for Satoru Iwata to be uh, to step down. I think what's going to probably happen Nintendo is that they get one last move before you see major structural and management changes at that company. You know, they turn the 3ds around, obviously it's not doing as well as the DS, but I suspect, um, that Nintendo gets kind of like one last sucker punch before someone comes in and just completely changes the way that company does business, which is a really scary prospect. They still have tons of money in the bank. It's not like the company is in dire straits. Like, Although this sounds really horrible, Nintendo is not like going under tomorrow or anytime soon. It's just a matter of is this something that they can turn around from themselves, recognize that the strategy isn't working and they need to adapt to the market, you know, whether that is following the conventional logic of put your games out on other platforms, which I don't think that I don't think that's I still don't think that makes sense. But whatever they need to do You know, I wonder how quickly that happens. Like, do we go into E3 this year and see a third pillar, kind of like we saw the DS, where they throw out something experimental that's kind of a toss away, but then if it takes off, it suddenly becomes the primary platform for them going forward? I mean, that's hard to imagine them doing that that this quickly, but are they really going to go on stage at E3? And I guess they won't even have a press conference, so maybe that won't even happen, but whatever they do at E3, you know, it's going to be hard to defend what position they're in.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I don't remember where I read it, but I read earlier this week that, you know, there's some talk that they may be looking to get into the cell phone market, not necessarily with, you know, porting games or anything, but, you know, creating Nintendo apps, you know, stuff for the, the Meverse and whatever else that, you know, people can link their phones to their systems, which sounds like just the ultimate half measure, you know, like the sort of thing like, okay, well, we're going to start dipping our toes into this to see, you know, what we can actually do while still trying to maintain this, this methodology that, you know, has... Not necessarily served us terribly well in the last couple of years but I think you're right I think it is it is at the point now where you know as much as I I love Satoru Iwata I love the, I love his his weird you know uh, Nintendo Direct messages and, and everything he does I feel like someone's gonna have to be on the chopping block at some point and whether he is directly responsible for all of this I don't know you know I wouldn't care to throw accusations around but I don't think I, I, I think we're probably even closer than you do uh, to probably a lot of the familiar faces at Nintendo that we know possibly either being shuffled out or moved around so that, you know, it is a it is a different approach because you can't look at those numbers and go, well, this is salvageable. You have to look at those numbers and go, OK, what do we blow up right now? Because holy shit.
0: Yeah, but, you know, Nintendo has not taken that approach in the past. They have not laid off anyone in these uh, quarters and years where they've they've struggled. You know, Awada's approach is that he needs those creative people to feel comfort in their job so they can sure. uh, surprise people again, which I think is a very cool, very empathetic, very sound strategy, mm-hmm. but it also requires them to deliver, and, you know, I think that rope is getting shorter and shorter as we go along, but, yeah. you know, Nintendo has surprised people before. Nintendo has had their back up against the wall. How many times the call for Nintendo to go third party mm. is, you know, something we've heard before. These days it's called Nintendo Should Publish on the iPhone. It's just, you know, I never count those guys out. And I want Nintendo to be around. I want them to flourish because they weird everyone out. Mm-hmm. And they they just no one knows how to react to them when they have something that's a success. You know, everyone is just so knee jerk uh regarding nintendo and and when they have something that takes off, you know we saw motion controls, just you know the way both Microsoft and Sony responded to that was just you know very humorous and hindsight uh they just people don't know what to do with that company because they really do come from left field all the time, yeah. so the industry is a better place for a flourishing, crazy, weird creative Nintendo, and I do really wish them all the luck in the world uh Same. to to deliver on that because it would really bum me out to, to see too much change about what they do because uh, I do think they keep uh, the industry young and honest in, in a way that uh, it's really easy to get cynical and business-like mm-hmm. about everything that happens, and Nintendo just often is not like that. So it, it is, you know, it's not usually how I describe how I feel about game companies, but it is kind of painful to see all of this happen because, uh, I do want to see them succeed because I do think they help the industry in really uh, fundamental ways uh, that Agreed. we would that we would lose if, if they didn't continue to play that role
1: yeah there's no part of me that wants to see Nintendo you know in any way disappear from this industry or really you know stop being a hardware presence because like you said they are an X factor and it is always better to have someone like that around keeping people on their toes
0: yep is going to be a shorter show than usual because I need to get to the cards offices for Spelunky, so if folks want to start uh, jumping in the chat and uh, leaving some questions uh, as we go through a couple bits of news, uh, we will uh, start winding down and try and chime in on some of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Octad Dadliest Catch, yeah. coming out to Steam on January 30th. I think they told us in an email they're aiming for March-ish yes. for the PS4 version. I'm I hope that game is good. I have no idea really what to expect from it. I haven't really played it at the various events that it's been at. Um, uh, Phil uh, Tibitowski, who is uh, uh, one of the... I'm not sure exactly what his role is on uh, on that development staff, but he works oftentimes out of the cards offices, so he is busting ass to try and get that game uh, together. and I hope it's really cool because it seems really funny. I'd like yeah. it to be a good game too. But I'm just not totally sure of that quite yet.
1: What I have played of it was uh genuinely pretty fun and hilarious. Uh you know, granted I've only played that game in very small chunks, you know, like one one little level sequence, that same wedding sequence that I think everyone has played a whole bunch of times at this point. Uh but it is I liked the controls. I liked the way it was it was designed and I if it can kind of maintain that that sort of, you know, craziness and unpredictability as it goes along, then that game will be pretty rad. So, yeah uh last of us dlc coming on valentine's day which is the perfect time for for last of us dlc obviously um i think i'm at the point now where i am finally ready to play a little more last of us i don't know about you but uh you know i mean as i wrote about in my game of the year write up i had to take some breaks on that game just because of how you know soul draining that experience can be at times uh but i think i think i'm ready for, for some more ellie for the continuing adventures of ellie
0: yeah, yeah, I'm I am psyched for for more Last of Us. Uh, you know, I'm dragging my PS3 out uh, on a semi regular basis anyway because of The Walking Dead. So uh, that's just uh, I'll just have to keep it out a little bit longer. Because mm-hmm. I imagine, hmm, I imagine Walking Dead. Well, I don't know. They they've been Telltale's been kind of. I was hoping they'd get better at getting on a release schedule with their games, uh, or at least communicating uh what their release schedule is it's been too long since another wolf among us episode has been delivered and early at february some, i think yeah but it was also it started it was going to be in december yeah and then so it's been it was two months, going to be january and now it's february and it'll probably come out in february but you know it doesn't feel very episodic when you know hbo doesn't delay a new episode of game of thrones because the cg's not done right um and i get you know it's episodic in quotes and most people should just wait till the whole season's done but it's frustrating. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to that. Although I can't help but still really want them to port that game to PS4 so I could play it again and sure. do it that. But that's not happening. So, or at least it's not happening yet. So we'll yeah. see. But yeah, I'm looking forward to playing that. Playing as Ellie uh, should be interesting. I'm curious to see how uh, what kind of weird situations they put you in uh, this time, especially because this is a prequel. Uh, it takes place before the events yes. of. Of The Last of Us, which makes you wonder... A
1: a more playful Ellie is what they keep saying over and over again.
0: Yeah, and it makes me wonder how they're going to handle that mechanically, like uh, in terms of how you engage with the enemies. Is it going to be more stealth-based? Because part of The Last of Us, you know, she comes in kind of a hardened character. Obviously, she's seen seen a lot of shit, but, you know, it's not till... I don't feel like spoiling that game yet, but, you know, it's not till later in the game that she really becomes... You know, comfortable with killing, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, w- I'm wondering how they're going to handle that with uh, something that happens well before uh, she kind of goes through the, that maturation process. Um, New RBI baseball is happening. Yeah, that's weird. And they're developing it internally? Hmm? Yeah. So
1: I. I... I have no idea how long this has been in the works. I have no idea much about, like, what this is go- going to actually be, except for what platforms it on, it's on. But, yeah, so I guess Major League Baseball straight up decided that they were not cool with the idea of there being no baseball game whatsoever on, you know, Xbox and other platforms. Because, you know, 2 K's out. They are no longer doing MLB. Uh, that means that the only console baseball game left is MLB The Show, which is Sony exclusive. Right. Uh so I have to imagine that they, the league, probably knew this for a while that that two K was not going to renew that license, which meant that they probably very a while back probably contracted someone to to do this. But again, I have no idea what this is actually going to be because RBI Baseball has not existed since like what the thirty two X. So who knows what the hell that will actually be like conceptually in an execution? But I. I'm thrilled to see, at the possibility of seeing what something you know published by the fucking Major League Baseball would actually be.
0: Yeah. I You know, are they going to go for... I can't imagine they would call it that without trying to invoke some of the spirit of the old game, right? Like, they're sure. not going to make a sim. I yeah. can't imagine. Especially that announcement said, like, it's coming to current, next-gen, and mobile platforms. So, right. you know, if they're developing a game like that, you know, my guess is that they're going to go for some, you know, RBI 2.0, which we know how often that works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very often, obviously. <laughs> but who wouldn't want that? So that would be rad. Um, let's see. Uh, Titanfall invites uh, alpha mm-hmm. invites going out to some Battlefield 4 players, which I'm jealous of. I am psyched for that game. I am psyched. Yeah, but for that keep game. in mind, you would
1: have had to suffer through lots of Battlefield Four problems to get to that. So that is sort of like a weird, you know. Oh yeah,
0: I, I'm not that. I, I, I'm not a huge. I don't have a huge amount of interest in participating in alphas or betas for games. Sure. I'm just playing that game. That game is not that far off. I can, I can wait till March. And yeah. I have to imagine that Microsoft would be crazy if they don't have their Twitch stuff in by the time the Titanfall ships.
1: That would be the time you would. I make.
0: have to imagine that is their self-imposed deadline because yeah. Titanfall is going to move units. I would not be surprised if that pushes the Xbox One kind of toe-to-toe with the PS4. You know, I know PS4 has Infamous coming out and Drive Club's not that far, but I don't think those are big hardware movers. Titanfall is is a hardware mover type of game, and uh, man, they would be crazy if they didn't have their streaming integration in there by then
1: it would be a real bummer and it would be it would show a, a shocking lack of foresight if that came came to pass but I, I i'm with you i imagine that has to be the case
0: yeah um
1: that's all i got news wise
0: yeah and just briefly mention ubisoft's publishing next gen tetris hooray
1: next gen tetris i cannot gonna... think of three words that mean less together so
0: <laughs> you're right um i i will say uh one last thing i want to mention because i think i want to write about it sometime soon is uh is uh, IO Interactive, the developers of Hitman and Kanan Lynch, uh, put out a letter that kind of described what their aims are for the next Hitman that they're actively developing. Um, And it's not so much about the fact that IO wrote that letter, but it's a pattern of things that Square Enix has been encouraging their developers to do which is to write open letters to their community announcing these new games in a not very splashy way, but one that acknowledges they're coming because it's obvious they're going to make another Hitman, another Tomb Raider, another Deus Ex. Just getting that part out of the way and then just kind of be, you know communicating with the audience. I think that's awesome. Like The, the industry yes. has so much secrecy regarding obvious things that are going to happen. It makes no sense to pretend that you're not making a new Hitman game or a new Deus Ex game or a new Tomb Raider. So. Uh, yeah, I just think it's really cool. It's like I, they didn't like make a big thing about it, which is also why it's great. Uh, and but they're clearly making a pattern of, and they did it with Sleeping Dogs as well, the mm-hmm. Triad Wars or whatever they're calling it. You know, they're announcing these very obvious sequels, acknowledging the base that hey, this stuff's coming, teasing a little bit. Uh, but I just I think it's 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 really cool. I'm, it I got. Fu-
1: I think it directs the chatter in a really smart way because you know it's one thing to have. A bunch of people speculating on what your studio is even doing at all you know are you in the case of you know especially considering the way developers have been shutting down left and right you know radio silence could mean any number of different things these days so it's it's in some respects it's good just to kind of get the message out there that hey we are actively working on this you know on a new game in this franchise that you love also we are totally still here still staffed up still doing our thing uh, and it also, you know, it, it, it focuses the chatter in a way so that it's not just a million people on your message boards going, when are you going to talk about this? What is this? What are you doing? And saying, okay, cool, now we know what this is. It buys you time. It gets people talking about the new game. It lets you interact, you know, on a sort of, you know, very high-level feedback kind of sense uh, with your fans about what you're doing. I th- it's the way P- companies should have been doing this forever, man. It's, it's always driven me fucking crazy how stupid and secretive developers are especially about you know sequels to known franchises it's like come on what proprietary thing are you trying to hide from the fact that you know you're you're making another uncharted game or you're making another hitman game etc it's just it's just nonsense
0: yeah um i guess the last thing i'll mention uh, news wise and i think we're going to wrap it up cuz there weren't uh a ton of questions uh is uh, outer lands which is a, a kickstarter being run by a bunch of friends of mine over at area 5 those guys came up with the one up show um, they're trying to do a six-part documentary series uh, that uh, you know the, the term "outer lands" comes from you know, sort of stories outside of the mainstream that normally gets uh, covered in games, and uh, it looks kick-ass. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, encourage folks to check that out because uh, I would love to see that happen. And they seem well on their way, so I don't think they're I don't think they're going to need much help. But if you were a fan of the One Up Show, if you're a fan of One Up, uh, which certainly influenced a lot of the the DNA of Giant Bomb. Um, those guys are off doing something that looks pretty damn cool. Um, I think with that we're going to yeah. we're going to bring this uh earlier show uh to an early close. Uh what are you what are you working on this week? What do you have to?
1: So I am, I'm going to play through Broken Age this weekend, and I'm going to start in on Octodad, which I think I'm going to end up reviewing here at some point, uh, once the embargo comes around for that. Uh, But other than that, I have a couple of Embombastica entries that I have downloaded games and begun uh, playing through again to kind of refresh myself on. Uh, And those should go up over the next couple weeks uh other than that uh, oh and power bomb next week
0: uh i was we, just gonna say people are asking about power bomb and if you and rory are going to do another movie podcast so we started another movie podcast again this week and then the computer crashed again
1: <laughs> this week um the good news is that we were able to salvage the audio from that we just have to do the other half of the podcast uh probably on monday or tuesday next week so that's that is coming we are doing that cool uh, so double podcasts coming from new york in the relatively near future. So look for those soon.
0: Awesome. Uh, Well, i have my wife comes back on Monday and I've got the thankfully football is only on Sunday. uh, So I'm going to try and continue my quest through dark souls. I'm trying to get through as much of that as possible Mm. um, before um, I have to, you know, spend my time with my wife. Like that's what, come on. What the
1: fuck, man? Come on. What are you doing?
0: Being responsible and a human being um so i'm that trying the to get through. worst with... thing you can do <laughs> trying to get through i'm mostly just like have a singular focus on dark souls so i can finish that and then i want to play broken age i want to play banner saga but it's like i'm on a roll with dark souls and a lot of dark souls builds on your previous experience and uh sort of rote memorization of like animation systems so just kind of pushing through that and trying to get through as much of that as i can so i can get dark souls out the door um, so i'm going to be doing that and folks can uh, continue to watch my stream on my personal twitch uh, and personal YouTube channels where that stuff is archived if they'd like to see uh, me look like a total idiot uh, in that game, which happens all the time. Um, but with that, I'm going to bring this to a close. Uh, you right. can tune back in in about 40 minutes. Uh, we might be a little behind. i got to walk over to the Cards Against Humanity office to get set up with microphones and stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, But we're going to be uh, spelunking with Dave Lang, that horrible monster, uh, supposedly plays Spelunky, so him and Max Temkin are going to join me uh, today, and uh, we'll hopefully we can beat Chris Remo and and watch Dave Lang cry uh, in the minds of Spelunky. So, uh, oh, and also uh, we will have a show on Monday where we'll be joined by uh, Depression Quest Zoe Quinn. Uh, she'll be uh, with us for our Monday show, uh, which is awesome. Uh, we were very mm-hmm. glad to have her, and I'm starting to book other guests uh, along the way. Sounds like we might have Jen Frank on the show uh, in the near future as well. So lots of cool folks. Uh, I've reached out to some others, just kind of getting scheduling uh, settled down, but uh, lots to come. So Alex, I will talk to you on Monday.
1: Oh,